Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Things are forever evolving, meaning that we have to constantly adapt our systems and our processes. And as with any evolution, the evolution and growth of our salon means that things start to break. What worked before suddenly no longer works and we must adapt, teaching us some fundamental lessons in return. Lessons which I believe are the key to any salon success and growth. Now, if anything like I was, never feel like your salon is complete. You're always striving for improvement and that's great but improving means that things can't stay the same there have to be constant shifts from the norm to the new so here at salon owners collective we could not relate to this more that's why today i've decided to bring on my very own team lead and operations manager susie now she's been with me for over three years now so she's witnessed and learned some of the most valuable lessons while helping me to grow the business to where it is today. So she has chosen to share her two biggest lessons around team management during rapid growth, which I believe is going to be super helpful for you and your team greatly. So now that you're curious to hear what she has to share, let's dive in and meet Susie. Susie, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Super pleased to have you here with me in this scenario. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to be here talking about this topic. I think it's very um, dear to my heart at the moment. Good. Before we jump in, I just want to take a step back and go, who the heck are you anyway? Where are you in the world? (laughs) Why are we hanging out today? Um, And then we'll get on and talk about this uh, super important topic. So Susie, over to you. Who are you? Awesome. Um, So I'm Susie. I am the operations manager and team lead here at Salon Owners Collective. Um, I've been here for three years, a little over three years. Um, As as you would say, I am more or less your work wife. Um, But (laughs) um, I have had many roles within Salon Owners Collective. It's kind of funny how I have um, come up essentially to be where I am today. I essentially started in marketing um, and have just grown with the company, which I think is such such an awesome way to grow. Um, and a little bit about me personally, outside of work, um, I own a sustainable swimmer brand called Salt Label. Um, that's kind of my baby, something I do on the side, um, keeps me very busy. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm not sure what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very glad that you've been with me. I can't believe it's been over three years that we've got to hang out with each other. Um, and one of the things that we talk about a lot together is uh, your role as team lead and managing humans and it was recently that we were having a conversation 
uh, I guess we've grown and we were having a conversation about the things that have changed and we recognized that um, we had to re relearn something that we both knew but found ourselves in a situation where we had to relearn and re-implement. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Why don't you take us in and kind of introduce us to this idea of um, this idea that we've had to relearn. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So um, as you have said, we have grown quite rapidly. We're now sitting at nine people, which is awesome. Um, and I can feel, I can feel more people coming on board this year even. Um, so as you've said, yeah, when, um, companies grow they do tend to break and so when we have grown things have broken and then new systems are put in place and then another new person comes and then it breaks again and you feel like you're always kind of scrambling a little bit to um, fix these processes as you are growing um, so yes we have relearned some lessons within our team um, and I think two fundamental lessons that we have learned um, is actually two that we teach in our um, motivating manager strategies. So I would love to dive into those two elements and then also ask, answer some questions um, that I've been asked as well. So make sure you stick around for those because they're very juicy. Um, so with our growth, I feel like there are so many different personalities within a team. Like I think that's very known um, and with different personalities come different um, learnings and stuff that you have to kind of implement. And I think we've been very lucky as a team to have such personalities that are just so beautiful and work very um, harmlessly together as well. So yeah, with this growth, one aspect that we have rediscovered um, is why not how. So um, it's semi self-explanatory, but there are lots of layers to it. So um, why not how is pretty much explaining a process um, and the way it's being done rather than essentially saying how something is done and sticking to, a, I guess, a task list of make sure you do this and then you move on to that. And that's how we do it here. Instead of essentially going down that path, I feel like um, with a team you need to really step back and you need to explain why you're doing something and really set the foundational roots of why something is the way that it is and how you've come to the I guess conclusion of it being that way and I think involving people in that story allows them to not just be a cog in the machine and be a part of it, that bigger picture of your company um, so yeah explaining the why also essentially allows um, your team to tweak things as well if they know why something is the way that it is I feel like they can then see gaps that you might have not seen in the process and they can even like question why something is the way that it is rather than just being like okay yep I'll do it like this because that's how you've told me to do it um, so I think really laying down that foundational why allows people to essentially grow with you which is awesome yeah I love that and um it takes a little bit of foresight and thinking from the business owner or the manager's point of view to allow the time to explain the why or even understand the why because sometimes we do things because they just make sense to us and then that's the way that it's established 
and then it can be quite confronting when somebody new comes along with fresh eyes that I think there's two ways that we can take that we will either take it at, and be defensive that say what do you mean you don't like it like that we've always done it this way or what do you mean you want to question the way that we do things so I think you've got a choice when somebody comes uh, and they see things differently or suggest things differently or don't understand how things work that you can either take it and be a little bit on the defense by or or you know take it personally that they didn't like the way that you do it or that they're assuming that it's wrong um, and we can be a little bit defensive about that um, or we can take the opportunity that somebody new that comes into our space has new fresh eyes for such a short amount of time and we can take that opportunity to look at and review the way that we do things um, while they have fresh eyes and, and maybe bring new experience and um, new ways of looking at things into the company. Um, but I think it's got to be rooted, as you said, Susie, in the why, how did we get here? And it's a good opportunity if we didn't understand how we got here to go back and have a look at, okay, well, how did we get here? How did we get to the fact that we do it like this? Is this the best way? Or do we are we just doing it because we've always done it that way? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. So if we need to take the time for why and not just the how, I think we should, let's talk about the process of that. We need to start with the why and then step through the step-by-step -step of how we do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think instead of just handing over something to someone and saying, here you go, here's a new task that I want you to start doing, you explain the why rather than just handing over the task explain the why and say hey this is the bigger picture I really want to hand you this new thing and what it essentially means for us as a company is x y and z and bringing them into that I guess yeah like I said foundational route before saying and this is your part of it this is how you can contribute to it this is what you're now going to do to help this process succeed essentially yeah or even I can see that it even helps people stick to the process because they know the why mm. I've got a, a, a simple example of sweeping the salon at the end of the night now if you're in a hair salon um this is a job that happens multiple times throughout the day um and we would sweep at the end of the end of the night as we were cleaning up and do a full sweep of the whole place but then in the morning we would also do a full sweep of the place and I remember apprentices a time and time again because they're the lucky ones that get the job because they're not hands-on here at the end of the night but what we just swept it last night why would we do it and if we didn't explain the why they would skip the job because logically they would think well I just swept last night why would I do it again and they would tick I remember they would tick the thing as done because in their mind it was done I did it last night no one's come in and had their hair cut right now so clearly it's done but until you go with the why and say, well, actually overnight, all the hair settles, because if you sweep at night, you know darn well if you have a salon, it is blooming hairy the next morning. I don't know where the hair comes from, it floats down from space somewhere, but the floor is hairy and slippery in the morning. And so until they know that and understand that, why would they do it twice if they don't have the context and the backstory? Yeah? Mm, yeah, no, yeah, that's awesome. I love that um, example. That's really good. <laughs> All right, um, 
So taking the time to spend the time to talk about the why uh, and not just task by task. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease, in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins, the team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you wanna find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, you've got another little motivating strategy, motivating manager strategy. What's the next one? Yeah, cool. So again, something we rediscovered um, with the growth that we've had. Not only have we had growth, but um, we've had a lot of role changes. So there's been a lot of people shifting and moving around in our company. Um, so with any kind of shift, I feel like um, you can kind of force someone into their new position and say, okay, you're going to be really great at this. Here you go. I think you should be put into this new position. And they think, awesome, love it. Um, but by putting them in that box, you, um, I feel like you aren't providing them with the opportunity of essentially putting them into that new role and then seeing where they land rather than just saying, okay, here's your new role. You essentially say, I would love you to do this. What do you reckon? And then they move into their new role and then they start um, essentially doing it. And then, as you would say, they land on the lily pads where they land. Um, and I think that's what we tend to do here. Um, we ask our staff what they enjoy doing and we kind of give them more opportunities that they um, essentially will want so they can work against their strengths. Um, so there was a situation recently and I'm sure like a lot of salon owners will be able to relate with this. Um, when you put a manager in place, that manager sometimes needs to earn their place essentially. Um, and they can't necessarily have that authority um, and they can't just step into that new manager, managerial role and then start changing up the game. I think there needs to be like a subtle shift happen and it needs to um, be quite seamless within the team. So um, with this whole next thing that we rediscovered, there was a situation like this. Um, and that brings me to my next point, which is ask, don't tell. So the whole concept of ask, don't tell is again, very basic. It is what it is. Um, so instead of essentially coming up with a new system and saying to the team, hey guys, there's this new system. Um, I love it. This is what we're going to do. Um, and it's going to happen on Monday. That can be quite jarring to a team, especially if you have just stepped into that new managerial role. Um, so the whole concept of ask, don't tell is completely flipping that scenario. 
and instead of telling your team hey this is what we're going to do and it's going to happen on Monday there can be quite a lot of backlash of well who do you think you are why you can't just come in here and say this stuff to me I've been doing this a lot longer and you've just stepped into your new role um so asking your team and flipping that whole scenario and saying hey guys I've had this really great idea here it is what do you think of it and then you're giving them the opportunity to essentially have their say um, and then if they love it or not that's when you can take your next step and say awesome what I was thinking of is we start implementing this on Monday and then you can have everyone be like yes that's awesome or you might have um someone say oh Monday feels too soon for this new thing can we maybe wait a week and it's more of a collaboration rather than like a hierarchy thing um, and I feel like it really makes your team feel valued and their voices are heard and their voices are as important as yours um, and essentially it makes them feel like their opinion matters rather than just putting down the law and saying this is how it is you essentially, yeah, like I said, flip it and um, get their input and ask them what they think of things. Yeah, I think this is so powerful when we can practice this and effectively implement this strategy um, for a couple of reasons. Some people, some of our team members don't like change. Let's face it, not everybody is a change maniac and often as creative entrepreneurial types that open here in beauty salons, we tend to be people that like change. I'm totally generalizing, but, but uh, a lot. And also we see the need for change. And so uh, we want to change things for the better, but that doesn't mean our team love change. And I think sometimes we need to protect some of our team members from ourselves isn't that true, Susie? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Just saying, Susie protects our team from me a lot. <laughs> um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, but I like to change things a lot and Susie kind of organises it and makes sure it's in order and the team can cope with the things that I want to change. Uh, so first of all, we need to be mindful of our team. Some people don't like change um, and some people... I know push back and I can and I know that if you're listening now you can probably imagine the person in your team that you know you get pushback from on the regular so there's a fine line between asking for input and putting your foot down and staying in the driver's seat of the business so I think there's a fine line and if you can find that it's super powerful and I think asking is the right asking and not telling is the right way unless you want to run um an army barracks style business and you're prepared for that level of uh, intensity, uh, then I think the ask, don't tell is super important, but you have to hold the power card at the end of the day, because I know that not everybody is going to um, make suggestions that you're going to love. But what the important thing is that you make room for the suggestions, right? So you make room for the people to have input um, but it means that you still ultimately hold responsibility. Or if you have a manager who uh, needs to hold the responsibility, that you support the manager in making those decisions. Um, it's kind of like um, collecting all of the input 
and then going away and making a decision about which one it's going, which one is going to be in place. So whether that's you or whether that's your manager, you still make the final decision, but you've got to do it with input first. And then let the ego come down enough to allow other people's ideas to be better than the one that you've already planned in your head. Is that true? Mm, yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I think you are right there in terms of picking your battles. There are things that you do need input on and there are other things that do require change quite fast and rapidly and instantly. Um, so <laughs> I do think picking your battles is very important um, in the whole ask, don't tell scenario. And I think even if it needs to be a certain way, I think you still need to ask and get the input and you can consider the input. And, and it may be that the odd time, 100% of the input is not right and you can, make, you can still step forward and make the decision. But there also might be that 80% of the input is right and that your idea is completely squashed and we need to be open to that. And actually, it doesn't matter whose input it is, whether it's yours or somebody else's, that we look for the best scenario or outcome for the business and we do that mm -hmm. yeah definitely I love that um cool I would love now to answer two questions that I got surrounding team um so the first one uh how and I would love your input too Riss um how can you be friends with your staff but still have a level of respect and professionalism I feel like this is huge in the hair and beauty industry. Um, I think this comes up a lot. Um, and straight off the bat, I think, in my opinion, I feel like um, you should always be work colleagues first and friends second. It's really hard. And you hear like so many people say it, don't go into business with your friends. Um, and I think it is really hard to have that line of, okay, when, am I, when can I switch off from work and actually become friends with this person? Um, but I think it all comes down to, I guess, who the person is and their personality and yours. So work colleagues first and friends second. I feel like this is when you're in work or at, in the salon, you are colleagues 100%. And sure, you can like joke around and have fun. That's just keeping your sanity, right? But when it comes to stepping out of the salon and let's say like you go for drinks or something on a Friday night, whatever it be, I feel like in that scenario, you are still essentially colleagues and then your friends second, even when you are going out with that person and having fun. Um, there are certain things that you just shouldn't do in front of your colleagues. And um, I think that can be quite hard when you find yourself in a position of um, yeah, when, especially when alcohol is involved, right, of um, trying to keep at a level of professionalism. Um, and Riss, I know you can kind of um, have your own story on this because you and Nick, our executive assistant, you guys have known each other since you were like 15. And I feel like you are very much friends and colleagues. Um, so I'd love to hear your input on this as well. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, Nick and my relationship started when I was five minutes out of my own school uniform and she was still in hers. And she would come after her after school job at the supermarket around the corner and I'd cut her hair. So I've really been cutting her hair since, um, since I hardly knew how to cut hair myself. <laughs> Shh, don't tell her. <laughs> um, so 
Um, and then, of course, uh, I set her up with my husband's best friend. And so now she's married to my husband's best friend. And so we see a lot of each other. But it's almost like there are two complete different relationships in one relationship. And we're either on work or we're off work. And when we're together, we actually don't really talk much work at all. Um, and when we're working, we just do work and they're completely removed. Um, so that, I don't know how we got like that, but that's just the way that it's always worked. Um, and so that's nice and simple. But when I had my salon, my 2IC, or my, my sort of longest standing team member, um, we became best of friends. She was my bridesmaid and we had babies together which was very hard when we were both having babies at the same time, given that we were trying to run a salon. <laughs> um, but we always had this sort of established relationship. And she said to me at one point, she said, There's, we felt like we were partners in business in terms of how committed we were to the business. But she said to me one day, at the end of the day, you make the final decision because it's your business. And that was that sort of final, um, that's where the line drew. And, and everything else, I really opened up everything to her in the business. And I think it was the letting her in that allowed us to be close because there was a level of trust, I guess. Um, and we didn't always separate business and friendship um, in terms of the conversations that we would have socially. But again, there was sort of, a, I guess, an unwritten rule about how we behaved and it was very clear when we were business and, and friends. Yeah, and I do think you do, you, as the owner, you need to just be on a little bit to make sure that you don't cross the line. And I think that is um, the discipline of being the business owner, that at the end of the day, you've made this decision to be a business owner and have people around you and build a team. And I think that's that's the luxury or, or the discipline that we have as a business owner that you have to yeah, just five percent of you be mindful at all times. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think how you said the um, unwritten rule. I think also this could come into being a written rule. So like having some kind of document in place that essentially, like, I feel like it's hard for salon owners when they are like really close friends with some of their staff and they are put into a position where they need to essentially tell them off or put them back into place. Um, so I think having some kind of written document that you can refer back to, I feel like this means sometimes it's not necessarily directly coming from you, but it's coming from this document or policy that you have in place of, hey, actually you were out of line, but I'm, I don't need to tell you that. Here's the document for you to read. And it's just essentially reminding them of yeah we have this thing and it is a rule and whatever you did didn't fit within that box essentially but it doesn't have to come from you it can come from this document that you've set up so you're not having to have those awkward conversations that you might not like having because the person is really close to you and they are your friend I think the the um one of the most important things that you can do in business is to remove emotion. I think emotion is designed for human relationships, but it's not designed for uh, 
to those same emotions that belong to personal relationships to be brought inside of business. Mm. Like it's almost like the business needs to be its own entity. It needs to be a living, breathing human of its own. And we need to treat it like that. It's as a business owner, we need to separate ourselves from the business. We are not the business. The business is a separate entity and you are yourself and your friend employee is also a separate person. And so you treat the business with respect separately. And the minute that we merge the business and ourselves and we are one, uh, which we can't help because that's why we're so passionate about and why we grow it, but that's when it starts to get messy, when our personal emotions and relationships get tangled up in the business. And I think if we can separate that, then all those three parties, the friend, employee, yourself, and the business are safe. Um, yeah, and, and those policies and going back to it. So this is not personal. We're protecting the business here. Mm. We're doing business right now. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, my next question that I have is, how do you strike the balance of managing poor performance while still being fair and reasonable? This is such a good question. And again, I feel like this comes up a lot. Um, and for me, I think, I feel like you really have to understand where that poor performance was established. Like you can't just blame or essentially point the finger if you don't know where that problem happened. So I feel like there are a couple of reasons why poor performance um, could be even coming up in the first place. Um, and I feel like the first one is definitely a lack of knowledge. Um, I think you need to know, is this person performing poorly purely because of a lack of knowledge? Do they not have all of the um, foundational steps in place to actually do this task correctly is that is that missing because I feel like if that's the case you can kind of teach them and move them out of that poor performance quite fast um, and also what comes with that is definitely knowing how that person learns because you can show someone a trillion times and they're still not getting it and you can get very frustrated with that and think why aren't they getting it why don't they understand but I think even asking them, how is this going to work for you? How do you learn? And then teaching them from that aspect. And I also feel like that kind of ties into the next um, reason for poor, for poor performance, which is trying to mimic something. So if Trump, someone's trying to mimic something that you do and it works seamlessly for you, really well for you, um, it could be a system that essentially doesn't work for them it just doesn't register and then mimicking you um, isn't essentially going to stick. So I feel like you also, yeah, need to show people um, and learn essentially how they can work um, and then come from that angle rather than just saying, this is how I do it and this is how you should do it. Um, yeah. Another aspect of poor, poor performance is um, they might be doing something that doesn't essentially light them up. So you could, yes, of course, everyone needs to do their job and there are gonna be some aspects that they don't enjoy, but there could be something that they just hate doing. And you might know that Jane loves doing it. So you could essentially take that off the person and give it to Jane because you know Jane's really good at it and she really loves doing this thing. Um, or the other thing is 
something personal is going on, which again, that's a whole other ball game. Um, but yeah, I think understanding where that poor performance came from and then you can be fair and reasonable to teach them, essentially show them um, how, how they can tackle it, how they can get out of this poor performance. I think um, poor performance can also come from um, too much how and not enough why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why not how, right? Yep. And if you've showed somebody how to do something and you've taken them, like you said, step by step, the way that you do it, and they don't learn that way or they don't understand why it should be that way and you've just shown them the how, then uh, there's, a huge, there's a huge disconnect. And what you might perceive to be poor performance or there might be a bad outcome doesn't mean that that person is, is not trying their absolute hardest but it's just not connecting for them so we need to be flexible uh, as managers and owners um, flexible in our approach of teaching and showing and not assuming that I think the thing I see the most happen the most is when we tell somebody what to do or how it is and we assume that they know now it's like there's not once and done here these are human beings like imagine we said to our child this is how you walk you stand up and you put one leg in front of the other and like the baby goes huh? <laughs> how many times do we you know have to tell our children to shut the door like shut the door when the heat is on like these these are things that are not once and done we have to become professional repeaters, but we can't keep repeat, repeating the same sentence and expecting someone to get it by the sixth time that we've told them or shown them that this is how we do it here. Like, well, if they're not getting it, there's a reason we have to change and be adaptable. Man, it's hard to be an owner or a manager. Like, human <laughs> communication is challenging. <laughs> it's so complex. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I think... Um... Also, that, that's why it's come back, comes back to the um, whole living, breathing document of having some kind of policy in place of, yeah, this is how we do it here. This is how things are done. And to an extent, obviously, people stick to that. But this, the way that they get there is, can be very different for so many people. But the outcomes should essentially be the same. But the way that they get there, yeah, is very different. And we see that a lot with different personalities as well. I think if we can become an outcome-driven business, like when we do our game plan uh, internally here at Salon Owners Collectors, we do a game plan. In Salon Mastery, we teach a game plan. It's essentially a strategic plan for a set period of time. And we focus on outcome. What is the outcome that we're trying to achieve with the project or the something that we're trying to implement, whether it's a marketing strategy or this is how we do it here strategy, what's the outcome? And then be super open to how we get there. And I think if we can do that with our team members and say the outcome is that you reach your target, your clients are happy, um, and there are some and some really clear outcomes, and then we support them to find their own way to reach the outcome. I think that's the best way to manage people. Mm, yeah I agree like I there like, is that's I feel like that's the message that you've been saying to us right <laughs> absolutely there is one common goal um and how you get there is is pretty much irrelevant almost it's just how you get there and if you all get there um I feel like then you're really going to have some success yeah wise words Susie uh okay 
Um, Susie, what is your business owner too, as, as well as working with me? Um, what is a, a book or a resource or some a podcast or something that you've listened to or have utilized or have seen some success with that you can share with us? This is actually funny. I thought about this for a while because I do have a book, but it's very not relevant. <laughs> um, so the thing that I have actually decided to share with you guys is um, our Salon Owners Collective Rockstar Team Guide. Um, and the reason why I'm wanting to share this is because we give this out daily. Like people use this guide that we have and it, it really has given people a lot of success. And it's quite a simple guide to follow. Um, you might even download it yourself and be like, you might have one of those aha moments because it is so simple and so back to basics essentially that you almost feel silly that you currently don't use it or do it. Um, so yeah, the, the resource that I wanted to recommend is our um, Rockstar Team Guide and to um, download it, I'm sure it will be in our show notes. So you can just click to grab it now if you don't have it already. And if you do have it, I would love to hear your thoughts on um, how you have used it in your own salon and what it's done for you in terms of um, success or usability or making a process easier for you. I would love to hear your stories. All right. Uh, what about a quote or a mantra that you can share with us? Um, a quote that I have, very team-based, um, so it is coming together is a beginning, staying together is a process, and working together is a success. I love it. There <laughs> you go, I haven't heard that one before. Uh, Susie, thank you for taking the time to share um, those insights, your recent experience, our recent relearning um, of motivating managers strategies uh, to a seamless culture. I really um, appreciate the time. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to coming back soon. Susie, thank you so much for coming and enjoying. I love our chat. It was pretty awesome. Can't believe where the time has gone for sure. So thank you for sharing your insights. I especially loved your lesson around the feedback from what the team has to say when making changes to ensure everybody feels heard and on board. And I think we can all learn from this as after all, we want our changes to work with and for our team, right? So I'm keen to know what is your biggest takeaway from this episode? Come and chat. Uh, you will find me in the Profitable and Successful Salon Owners Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. I would love to hear everything that you have to say. Otherwise, I shall catch you sometime in the same place next week. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.